Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The information depicted in this podcast is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine. Hey everyone and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas and I'm the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting-edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, fam? Lucas here. I want to take a moment to announce a couple of things to all my new listeners on the podcast. Firstly, if you're looking to upgrade your brain function, whether that be through reducing brain fog, enhancing verbal fluency, improving confidence, motivation, drive, or even orgasm intensity, then check out my nootropics course, which can be found on my website at www.ergogenic.health. And you'll see at the top, it will say courses where you can use the discount code BYB15 to save 15% off. In addition, I also have a sleep optimization masterclass and a testosterone optimization course that can also be accessed on my website. Again, you can use the same discount code BYB15 to save 15% off. What's up, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today, I'm joined in with yet another special guest, uh, this time joining me in from Thailand. Uh, He goes by the name Dr. Tony Huge. So, Tony, welcome to the show, man. Yes, Lucas, thank you. I love uh, (laughs) your channel and uh, 
I love uh, biohacking. And so I'm excited to learn from each other. Awesome, man. So do you want to give my listeners a bit of a background into, I guess, um, your journey from, I think you said your very first like career job was like as a lawyer and now you've transferred over from that into developing supplements. You're in the, you're very well known in the bodybuilding community. So do you want to sort of share to my listeners a bit, bit more about you? Okay. Quick background. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just waking up right now. Modafinil is just kicking in. Caffeine's just kicking in. Alpha GPC and lion's mane is just kicking in. So pretty soon I'll be really with it mentally. <laughs> I, uh, I started as a lawyer in my professional career and built this big law office up and uh, was, was really well-known and effective and successful. And then I sold it and planned on retiring and starting, started as a hobby, this uh, YouTube channel where I experiment on myself with extreme biohacking stuff that other people don't have the money to do because either it's expensive with all lab testing uh, or travel required. Uh, and then also weren't willing to take the risk because I was willing to take a lot of risks to learn. And because I'm absolutely obsessed with what you could broadly say is biohacking. That obsession of biohacking started when I was 12 years old. Mm. So I've been experimenting on myself ever since. It's just that I went the normal Western career rat race uh, route first. And then when I retired, I, at, at 33 as when I retired, that's when I was able to turn 100% of my attention to my passion. Now I'm 38, five years later. So I uh, built some supplement companies and some other businesses related to biohacking in the fitness industry uh, to finance the further experimentation in the field. Now I'm in, in Thailand because I want to get outside the matrix of Western civilization. It gives me more freedom to experiment on myself and live a lifestyle of, of more freedom and in a place that respects um, biohacking and you know bodybuilding uh, more. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So do you want to maybe, um, for my listeners, I guess, um, was there a particular moment where it sort of put you on the map? Like, was there any particular uh, experiment or anything that sort of put you on the map in the whole bodybuilding space? Yeah, there was, there's quite a few, but the first big one that went viral was my DNP Diaries series, which is not on the internet anymore because it's highly censored. And my initial motivation in doing it, because remember I was retired at the time, was actually political. I have really strong political views um, that basically just promote freedom, you know, and, and against control and, and, and uh, in favor of a smaller government and more individual liberties, less interference in our life, especially medical freedom. So I, I started DMP Diaries because I knew biology, chemistry, and, and the human body really well as far as the physics of it. So yeah, I might not be able to tell you what specific chemical compound does what in the body, but I understand how the body works because I've been studying this stuff since I was 12 and, and reading the Gray's Anatomy book when I was 15, right? But that kind of obsession. Uh, so I did the DMP diaries to show people that what they heard and learned about DMP was a complete farce. It was media sensationalism. It was fear mongering in order to prevent people access from a drug that uh, I, I won't say all the benefits that it does, but it's an absolute game changer. And if more people had access to it, it would completely change um, the world as far as health and, and longevity and performance and aesthetics. So I did the diary series and it went really well. And people watched 
how well this compound worked on me and how healthy I was with all my lab work. And then other people started experimenting. And of course, I became obsessed with it and became the knowledge and the resource on that compound. And then I moved to the next compound and the next compound. And I just kept experimenting on myself with what people consider in the mainstream dangerous compounds. So with DNP, because I know a lot of my listeners, this might be a brand new sort of compound they've never heard of. I'm quite well versed in in what it does, but do you want to explain just a little bit about what it's primarily used for? It fat loss and it causes your body to use energy as heat the same way an animal it needs to burn calories to keep itself warm in, in the winter months. So people have heard about brown fat and the body's ability to burn fat as uh, burn fat into heat. And that's what DMP does, but it does it to every it does it through every cell in the body, not just brown fat. Mm-hmm. So you get the brown fat effect everywhere. And the the risk and what you look what you see when you look up online about it is that you take too much and your body temperature goes too high. And there's no limit to how much heat your body can uh, produce. So if you overdose, then you die of hyperthermia. Your your organs start cooking. And that's very rare. And people don't realize how many people use it. And if you looked at aspirin or any other drug, I think you'd have a higher incidence of injury than you have with DMP. But because DMP is used for enhancement and because it does threaten the mainstream supplement industry and the mainstream medical monopoly, that's why it's highly censored. Mm. So let's sort of, I guess, um, let's sort of transition over into some of the other, I guess, some other novel fat burners that you've used in the past. I'm just curious to know other things you've experimented with that can really accelerate fat loss. Okay. Um, so since you use the word novel, that you know that would mean sort of new and exciting and, and, and different than what's in the mainstream. So I guess the least novel types of things would be on the stimulant side mm. uh, because more people know about that. So that would be like clenbuterol, salbutamol, uh, which is like the inhaler, albuterol. Um, those are extremely effective and used in bodybuilding. So I've used those extensively. Um, you've got higanamine and synephrine and all these other uh, fat burners that are semi-mainstream and getting uh, sort of banned. Uh, but then when I look at fat loss, I look at there's things that burn fat, there's things that release fat, and there's things that prevent you from gaining fat. So if I'm trying to do a extreme fat loss protocol, I'm I'm looking at stacking compounds from each category usually. So like releasing fat, let's say, I'd be looking at things like growth hormone. Um, burning fat, I'd be looking at mostly things like stimulants or uncouplers like DMP or other things like that, green tea. And then preventing fat storage would be things like appetite suppression and um, nutrient partitioning. Uh, things like the slim pills, uh, for example. So yeah. I, I guess when I break into those categories, the thing is there's so many compounds under each category, but that gives us some context. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with the... Because um, I know I've, I've mentioned um, glucose disposal agents to my audience quite a lot. And I've obviously I've experimented with many. I sometimes, you know, I've, I've utilized metformin every now and then just to sort of see how I feel. But I want to discuss more about some other GDAs and specifically focusing on the slim pills because uh, I'm always looking for various like 
you know, GDA stacks and things like that. And I know you offer one that's like a, a really quite a comprehensive stack. So do you want to talk more about uh, Slim Pills and what they do? Yeah. So when you said GDA, that's glucose disposal agent, that means getting rid of sugar in the body, which is a great approach for people that want health and longevity, don't want to have to diet that hard, want to get their insulin sensitivity back, uh, treatment for metabolic syndrome, type 2 diabetes. But I'm more interested in nutrient partitioning and insulin mimetics. But they're, they're all related. And a metformin, for example, I think of as 50% uh, glucose disposal and 50% insulin mimetic. Mm. Um, so it's it's optimal for longevity, health and longevity, but it's not optimal for bodybuilding or putting on the most amount of muscle. So I started researching uh, insulin mimetics specifically, not glucose disposal agents, but what compounds act more like an insulin mimetic or a nutrient partitioner or push more calories into the muscle in addition to all the benefits that metformin has. And that's when we came up with the Slim Pills and on the back with the formula, it's got a lot of ingredients. I'll talk about the biggest misconception. The biggest misconception is that the berberine is the, is the main, so, I mean, it is the most re, well-researched. It is highly effective. And most doctors who review the research will say that it has many advantages over uh, metformin. And if it was a prescription drug, they'd probably be prescribing it as much or even potentially more than mm -hmm. metformin. But it's also like metformin in that it's a glucose disposal agent and insulin mimetic. And some of the other compounds in here are a little bit more on the insulin mimetic and nutrient partitioning side. So this supplement has uh, a bunch of different compounds that work through a bunch of different pathways to open up the muscle cells and make the muscle cells more receptive to carbohydrates and blood sugar and try to make the fat cells less sensitive so that every calorie that we eat from <clears throat> carbohydrates mostly uh, is more likely to go into muscle than to go into fat. Mm. Yeah, look, one, one, um, one experiment that I've been playing around with is uh, got myself one of those um, CGM devices um, gl glucose monitoring devices. And I, um, you know, I was playing around with some GDAs and things like that, the walking treadmill desk, as I was telling you before. Um, yeah. One thing I'm looking forward to is testing out the, the slim pills to see uh, just how effective it is at lowering, um, you know, postprandial glucose. Cause like, is there, a, is there any, I think uh, one of your colleagues said you might be doing a clinical trial potentially with the slim pills or. Yeah, right. A university trial. Um, so, I, I, you know, that's great. Clinical trial, yes, that'll, that'll get done. Uh, but the thing about a clinical trial is they can only, they're only running really one experiment, one narrow little experiment. But insulin and, and insulin mimetics, they work so quickly. And you can, you can check your blood sugar. You can check your insulin levels. You can check how you feel. You can check how much muscle you're gaining versus fat. That's why it makes it fun to experiment with slim pills on a daily basis. You can see how the body reacts. So a clinical trial is great. There's going to be some solid scientific backing behind it, but they're going to test for like one thing. Mm. And with, with, our, with the, our own experimentation, we can test for one thing every single day mm. or multiple things. We can do a lot more research a lot faster. So I've done a lot of research with the slim pills. And you'll notice when you, when you test your blood sugar, your blood sugar will go lower. 
You can, just like with insulin, and the risk of insulin being your blood sugar go too, too low, your, your blood sugar can actually go too low on the slim pills. I mean, it's not likely to happen and it's, it's pretty safe, but I've had times when I've taken four pills of slim pills and because I anticipated eating carbs and I didn't eat carbs mm. and I felt pretty hypoglycemic afterwards, which is great to be able to have something in a pill that does that, but you just have to be aware or other people have to be aware that your blood sugar could drop a little bit low. So it's important to experiment with the dosage and assess our sensitivity. Yeah. Did you want to discuss maybe how the timing of the dosage and also when they'd want to utilize it as well? Yeah, we don't know exactly the active and half-life curve because there are so many compounds in it. So each compound has its own active and half-life curve. Some may last three hours and some may last 12 hours, 24 hours even. But I, from my own experience, noticed that let's say about eight hours afterwards is where, is where the blood sugar will be lower. Uh, I mean, for the entire window of time, eight hours after taking the pill, not that it peaks in eight hours, maybe it peaks in, in three hours, for example, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'd say it's best to take uh, right before taking in the most amount of carbohydrates for the day. So I think most people who are doing biohacking type stuff um, are really strategic about their diets. I think they're oftentimes choosing when they have carbohydrates. So obviously, if in the morning they wake up and they're not eating carbohydrates because they're fasting or intermittent fasting or they're doing keto for their first meal, then they don't really need to be taking slim pills at that time. Mm. But if they're going to do carb backloading or cycle the carbs in later in the day, then before they eat the carbohydrates, they take it. And especially for someone, just since I went with that example of someone that chooses when to eat their carbohydrates... By taking the slim pills with the carbohydrates, it'll get the body's blood sugar down and insulin levels down much faster after eating the carbohydrates so that we can spend more time in the fat burning mode with the low insulin, the low blood sugar and switching over to burning fat primarily as a fuel source. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to experimenting with that because um, I've got, I've used like DHB and some other GDAs and things like that. And I've seen, yeah, some pretty dramatic, even with a uh, high dose uh, biotin, which is, it's used for hair loss or just for supporting hair growth. I used a ridiculous amount, like 10 to 15 milligrams. Uh, and yeah, I got the, I got the typical hypoglycemic symptoms as well. Whoa, that's interesting. I've never tried biotin for that purpose. I'll check that out too. And there yeah. is a, there is a study in like type one diabetics where it completely lowered their insulin requirements, which was crazy. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll check that out too. Hmm. So the slim pills, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, I want I'm just curious to see how, uh, just in terms of like it's how quickly it's going to act in terms of like the blood sugar lowering effect. But then obviously getting a lot of the, because with the, the berberine and the other compounds, a lot of them would be working through the microbiome as well. Like we just, we don't have much, you know, evidence and things like that, but we're, we're starting to learn that metformin is working through increasing apomansia, which is healthy gut bacteria. So it will be very interesting to see, to see that. Yeah. So I, I respond okay to metformin, uh, but a lot of people get a lot of gastrointestinal issues. They get gas, they get bloating, uh, they just feel like, like 
as if they ate something that they have a negative food sensitivity to, mm. um, or that they, or, or like the symptoms of candida where they have bad bacteria overgrowth in their intestines from it. And I think that's because it's uh, causing excess blood sugar to end up further down the, the intestinal tract, I would assume. That's the type of symptoms that they're getting from it. Yeah. Uh, and then it causes people to also urinate some of the glucose, which can cause, um, which is which is common here in Thailand that I just got cranberry extract for actually uh, urinary tract infections, <laughs> which is no fun if you're super highly uh, sexually active in Thailand. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that's another reason why the Slin pills, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people prefer it over metformin. Cool. All right, let's have a, let's transition over into uh, arachidonic acid because that's, um, that's one that piqued my interest. I've always been looking for things that can actually deliberately make me more sore. Like whilst I, like after post-workout, I'm, I'm under that old fallacy, that old myth of if you're not sore, you haven't trained hard enough. Um, yeah. So with the, with the arachidonic acid, do you want to sort of explain what that product is and, and how, how it can be used to improve muscle growth? Yeah, so I've got a tabletop full of supplements here, and that and there's the arachidonic acid also. So we're talking about two of my favorite supplements, slim and arachidonic acid. Um, so arachidonic acid is uh, it's naturally occurring in the muscle cell, and most people, if they look it up online, they'll see a lot of negative things about it because it causes inflammation. But there's a reason why the body stores it. Uh, why there's a benefit, why our body would store arachidonic acid and why our body would make use of it to create more inflammation is that's the signal to our body to repair that area. So inside the muscle cell, arachidonic acid gets stored sort of like creatine gets stored in the muscle. So it does build up over time. So if you take it on day one, yes, you'll be a little bit more sore, but you'll notice like day five, day six, then it's really going to accumulate. And the body converts it to PGF2-alpha, prostaglandin. It's a prostaglandin. Um, that, and this is how I first came across it, is bodybuilders were using it, using prostaglandins to inject directly into the muscle to create local muscle growth. And that is not something I'd recommend to most people. That's extremely hardcore. That can come with it's all its own side effects. But for me, I, didn't, I don't want to inject every muscle in my body with prostaglandins, especially the closer you get to your intestines with the, the injection, you get violent diarrhea. That's a side effect of it. Right? So I don't, I don't want violent diarrhea and I don't want to have to inject every muscle in my body. So it's like, how do I increase prostaglandins in the muscle? Well, the, the, what the body makes prostaglandin out of is the arachidonic acid. So take more arachidonic acid, get more prostaglandin, get more inflammation, get more soreness. Um, not that inflammation and soreness is the target, right? The target is to signal to the body, um, number one, to sensitize the muscle cell to all the naturally occurring hormones or hormones that we're injecting, like IGF and testosterone. So it sensitizes the muscle cell so it's more receptive to these compounds, to these chemicals that are also naturally occurring or that us bodybuilders take more superhuman amounts of. And then to also signal to the body to repair the area. So the way I think of it is... Um, if you worked out, if you worked out a muscle for two hours really hard, you would get so much soreness, so much inflammation, so much prostaglandin converted from arachidonic acid, but you would have also created so much damage to the muscle 
that you're going to have a hard time repairing it. You're not actually going to grow. Your body's going to be struggling even to repair the muscle back to where it was, let alone repair it to where it was and then repair with extra muscle. So if you can trick the body in the thinking that you created more damage that you did than you did, but actually create less damage, so train that muscle for 40 minutes, but use the arachidonic acid to make your body think it was trained for two hours, then your body's going to do uh, exaggerate the healing process also and create more muscle and create more strength. And it's uh, it's easy to see. I mean, for, for, there's a lot of skeptical people about it. And the skeptics say that, um, well, number one, it's natural, so it can't work. But that's that's... I mean, natural or unnatural, that, that means nothing. Testosterone is natural, and we take large amounts of that and, and get large amounts of muscle, right? And then the other criticism is that you already get enough arachidonic acid from your diet. You eat chicken and beef and, and meat. and uh, But there's something different about taking arachidonic acid by itself in the absence of all the other competing fatty acids. And there's something different about bodybuilders being able to use so much more arachidonic acid than the sedentary individual. I would say taking arachidonic acid for the sedentary individual would probably be a terrible idea. They just get inflammation everywhere. But as a bodybuilder, our muscle cells are gonna, uh, gonna scoop up that arachidonic acid. I think bodybuilders are often deficient in arachidonic acid in the muscle because we need so much more because we're constantly using it up and converting it to prostaglandins. Mm. So then how would you best, like how would you time the dosage for arachidonic acid? I, I, my theory was always to take it before the workout um, because then while I'm working out, I'm pushing the blood flow into the muscle. I'm getting more arachidonic acid into the muscle than into other parts of the body. And, and that's one thing in, in biohacking uh, on the bodybuilding side that's, that's huge that people don't realize is blood flow is everything. So if you're if you're creating if you're putting more blood into the muscle, whatever nutrients are in your bloodstream, it's going to that muscle. It really does make that big of a difference. <clears throat> I mean, it will go everywhere, but mostly into that muscle. Mm. So I, I I was liking before the workout, but then you notice that your joints and tendons also get blood flow during the workout. So you also get joint and tendon soreness. Now, Coach Trevor was uh, the one that had the idea to take it post workout. Because he said, well, the muscles are going to be more receptive. The, the, anything you eat after the workout is more likely than the muscle. You still have more blood flow there, more transport nutrients, more sensitivity for uptake. So we take it post-workout. And then with that, he got great results with all the people we did that with and, and uh, with less joint and tendon soreness. So if you can take it before the workout and not get also joint and tendon soreness, that's great. If you get joint tendon soreness, then consider immediately after the workout mm. or even during the workout because by the time it gets in the digestive system and gets transported to the muscle, you know, it takes a little time. Yeah. Uh, when, I, when I get my hands on some, I'll be um, playing around with it pre-workout, during and also post. Um, is there any... Uh, will it affect water retention at all or is it not so much in that, that, that regard? Um. Inflammation in general causes water retention, and yeah. I don't I don't notice a large amount of water retention from it like I would from growth hormone or like uh, certain steroids that cause mineral retention. Like there's a lot of things in bodybuilding that cause a lot of water retention, and I haven't noticed that from arachidonic acid. But 
you know, a lot of people contact me before they compete at a bodybuilding show because they want second opinions on what to do the last few weeks. And I do tell them to stay away from the arachidonic acid closer to a bodybuilding show because at that point, every little bit of water retention matters. So I would say just because of its mechanism of action, it's, it's likely to produce some water retention, but it's minimal compared to other bodybuilding supplements. That's yeah. my spec. Cool. Yeah, I'm someone who actually... I have a bit of the, the opposite issue to most bodybuilders is that I can't actually... My body's really poor at holding fluids and holding salt like because I've got very low aldosterone and very low blood pressure. So I'm, I'm always on the hunt for something apart from licorice because licorice is a... Um, it's a mineral corticoid. It's got mineral corticoid-like properties. So I'm always on the hunt for things that can raise aldosterone. So if you know any, just let me know, man. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because you can't... It's not like you can just take in a ton more salt because your body's going to adjust that level. So you've got to take something that your body doesn't isn't able to beat you at. You, your body's beating. You got to figure out a secret weapon against yeah. it. I don't have to think about that. Okay. Yeah. What, what, to, what do we want to use to create... Uh, I mean, obviously, DECA, you know, if we're looking at the steroid world, that's that's going to work for everybody. Does that have mineral corticoid like properties or binding or something? It, it will cause you to... So your body's with the aldosterone, uh, the way your body's using it, your body's not holding on to as much sodium. Yeah. And you take more sodium, it's just going to get rid of more sodium. Yeah. But the DECA causes your body to hold on to more sodium. Okay. And then that, and then you can't have sodium without water in the body, right? It, it yeah. pulls water. Well, it affects the it affects the pump so much, man. Like when I if I can't hold salt, like I just don't get that cell volume volumization effect. Like it really makes a big difference. This is a huge thing in bodybuilding. Also, people don't realize they you know what's causing them to feel flat or full, and they think it's just a drug or a steroid or just a diet. But a lot of times, it's just salt. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. All right. Well, let's sort of, um, I want to discuss another sort of natty uh, anabolic agent or something that can be used by those that are natty. Um, let's look at epicatechin. I want to discuss uh, epicatechin because I, I mean, I've, I've heard about it for a couple of years now. Um, I did do a short trial with it. It wasn't long enough. It's probably about four, three, four weeks. Um, but yeah, let's break down this this molecule, um, for those listening in, epicatechin is actually very, very much found in um, dark chocolate. So another reason to enjoy your dark chocolate. Yeah, so I, I actually drink... There's a lot of benefits of drinking dark chocolate, which is a very big difference from chocolate, milk chocolate over the counter with a bunch of sugar and fat. So this is, this is just a, a heaping tablespoon of dark chocolate which doesn't have that many calories, actually. Yeah, it's got a little bit of fat uh, in it. But it's got a lot of nutrients, a lot of antioxidants, and epicatechin, too. So you can get enough epicatechin from drinking massive amounts of dark chocolate. Not as people, many people love it as much as I do, though. Uh, so epicatechin is another good way to get one of the active ingredients here that's responsible for muscle growth. And there's, there's not a lot of compounds we have access to that are natural, and effective to reduce myostatin. And when we're doing, an epicatechin is one of them, and when we're doing these blasts for building as much muscle as fast as possible, I'll show you the anabolic matrix to the audience if they haven't seen. 
the anabolic matrix has all these different growth pathways that when we're trying to do a mass blast, we want to make sure we address each one of these pathways so that no one of them becomes a limiting factor. And over here uh, has reduced myostatin, the third red one. The third red one is reduced myostatin. So if, if we're going more hardcore, we're using things like uh, folostatin. And there's a whole bunch of other peptides that reduce myostatin. And, and for the most part, a lot of them aren't, aren't very effective. Uh, and then YK11 is, is SARM slash steroid that is very effective at reducing uh, myostatin, but it also comes with the side effect of aggression and uh, testosterone suppression and potentially some of the other, um, some, the other side effects of steroids in general. So epicatechin is our, our most effective way to lower myostatin, which increases muscle mass, makes it easier to hold more muscle mass or increases the, the ceiling of how much muscle mass our body can grow and, and hold, but from a natural route so that we have less to no side effects. Well, yeah. no side effects that I know of from, I don't think there's any side effects I've ever seen or experienced from, from epicatechin. The drawback of it is it takes more of it. And, and, and I'd be curious, since you know a lot about this, I'd be really curious whether you know like the optimal protocol for it. And my, my theory is to, to just take it frequently and in, in, in higher dosages. And so if I'm doing an epicatechin protocol, I'm doing like three capsules three times per day as an example. Uh, or if I replace one of those with with the cocoa, um, then, you know, I would have epicatechin and whatever I'm not drinking the chocolate. And I would try to constantly be uh, using it to keep my myostatin lower as many hours of the day for as many days as, as possible would be my approach. But I don't know that there's enough um, scientific review of, of different protocols and how they're effective against each other. Do you? No, but I, I know that majority of the research on epicatechin is for muscular dystrophy, which is like muscle wastage or some sort of muscular disorder. Um, it was shown to be very effective orally. That's what caught my attention. Like, right, we're able to find an oral compound that's naturally derived that can be bioavailable, get to the target tissues and actually inhibit that myostatin. Um, and... What's unique about it is if, if people go ahead and Google search myostatin deficient dogs or animals, have you, have you seen the photos of how ridiculously jacked they are? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's right. And it is, it is the holy grail of, of bodybuilding. Um, and people, don't, people also don't realize that the, uh, the steroids we use and other compounds, one of the reasons why they're effective is because they do reduce myostatin. So steroids reduce myostatin. The problem is the body catches on to this. The body learns as far as from a steroids pathway. And um, also the more muscle we have, the more we have to deal with myostatin. So if we, have a, a huge, if we already have a lot of muscle, it's harder to gain even more muscle. And so that's when reducing myostatin comes in handy a lot. And now someone who's already been on even someone who's already been on steroids and they've already lowered their myostatin, now their body's caught up to the amount of myostatin they have and they have to start looking outside the box on other ways to reduce myostatin if they want to progress faster. Of yeah. course, any, you know, another thing for perspective, 
any anybody can make a lot of progress over a very long period of time using discipline and 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 committing themselves to a goal every day but i think a difference with people like you and me we want things a little bit faster you know we realize there's an expiration date on our life there's a lot of things we want to accomplish we get bored if things happen too slow so you know why train in the gym for 10 years to have the ultimate physique and and not take any supplements when we can do it in five years or three years or two years, or you know, if we want to go really extreme, we can do in six months what it could take someone a decade to do naturally. Mm. Yeah, the other advantage to that is um, when I look at these compounds, I notice that they have other effects beyond just you know supporting muscle growth. Like for example, epicatechin is also shown to be good for insulin sensitivity as well. And then you, you mentioned blood flow being like, absolutely paramount. Well, the unique thing about this, something like slim pills or other GDAs is that they're going to lower your risk for insulin resistance. And by doing so, you're going to be supporting blood flow because insulin resistance is known to damage endothelial function and lead to, you know, blood vessel damage and things like that. So that's what I like, you know, with the, with the whole bodybuilding community and things like that, we are, we are, we are hacking our body and we're manipulating pathways, but at the same time, we're also, we are conscious of health and we're also offsetting a lot of the deleterious effects that happen when we do change different pathways and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And this, you know, bodybuilding and, and manipulating the human body, a lot of people think it's unhealthy, but there's a, there's a limit. I mean, once you go past a certain limit, of course, you're going to sacrifice health for that extra 10%. But for the most part, you know, especially when I travel the world and I see people trying all different types of protocols and all different types of lifestyles, the guys that are working out and taking a little bit of something, whether it's TRT, slim pills, metformin, just a, a, like a reasonable amount of supplements, these are the healthiest people with the highest quality of life. Yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd be curious to know a little bit more about maybe some of your some of your experiments. Um, yeah, curious to know, like, what's what's one experiment that's gone like terribly, terribly wrong? I'd say it's sight enhancement, sight enhancement experiments. When is that the hydronics, hydronic stuff? Hyaluronic acid. Yeah, you know, there's a chemical that's used to crosslink it, and if they leave the chemical in, it's highly toxic. So uh, that we had some close calls with that. You know, I've had we've had supplement overdoses before. We've had people overdose on clenbuterol, uh, which is pretty dangerous because that's a pretty powerful stimulant. I've overdosed on uh, DMAA, uh, the the pre the hardcore pre workout. We let's see, we've we've had a lot of we've had hypoglycemia, you know, from riding the edge of uh, low blood sugar using insulin, and. You know, I'm looking around. I mean, we, we, you, there's potential for side effects and anything. Getting, I mean, you take things like Viagra and you take too much and you get the stuffy nose. Like that's not a big deal. But I'm just, we, we have experienced a lot of side effects from a lot of different things. But what's amazing is none of it's, none of it's been long-term or permanent. I mean, I, I've been experimenting on myself my whole life. And for the last eight years, I've been using really hardcore compounds to experiment on myself. And I'm very healthy. And it's not perfect, but very healthy. More, much more healthy than the average person my age, of, obviously, of course. 
And uh, it's amazing to think that all these compounds, any one of them, like let's say I've taken, I've experimented with a hundred different compounds, each of which someone has said he's going to die by taking that. And I'm still alive and I'm still healthy. Mm. So it just goes to, you have to keep it in context, just goes to show you compare it to like alcohol abuse. Well, the people who are abusing alcohol are not healthy. And, and they're using a drug that has no benefits. Uh, well, it has benefits, but the, the, be- the drawbacks outweigh the benefits. And yet we have all these other compounds that have tremendous benefits and much less risk. Um, so I, I, I'm trying to think of, while I'm talking, I'm trying to think of other experiments that went really wrong, but it's just hard off the top of my head because you know thousands of experiments and, and uh, if we talked about a specific compound, maybe I would remember a terrible thing that happened from that specific compound. But I, most recently, for example, I experimented with Trembolone again. Yeah. And, and um, I, we, we <clears throat> had a Trembolone suspension made so that it's very fast acting. It's got no ester attached. And the goal was to see if we could... Um, this isn't the first time I've used it, but this is the first time that I've used it uh, for five consecutive days as opposed to just using it pre-workout. And I use it pre-workout, I get no side effects. The, the side effects don't accumulate and yet I get some of the benefit of it immediately. That's one of my theories of steroids too, of using shorter, side, shorter cycles or any supplements that have potentially high side effects. Mm. Shorter cycles get the benefits and get out before <clears throat> the side effects accumulate because the human body, uh, for the most part, with most side effects can deal with a small amount of side effects for a short period of time. It's the chronic abuse of the body and it's chronic abuse of a side of uh, not treating a side effect early that really causes all the problems. So mm. with the trend balloon, it not that it went wrong, but what we learned was side effects still do accumulate with trend suspension, even though the half-life is shorter, even though there's certain hours of the day where the levels may be very, very low in the bloodstream. So it was enough to accumulate trend balloon like side effects. Right. Just out of curiosity, do you run any sort of liver protective supplement or anything? Because I'm a huge fan of like, I use artichoke extracts. I use glutathione every now and then. Uh, started falling in love with Tudka as well. I don't know if you... Yeah, here, I'll show you. I'll show you. I got one here. So this is a, this is a Swiss Cadmus uh, Tudka. And in it, it has Tudka, Kutkin. <clears throat> Picroside to uh, beef liver and vitamin B complex. Nice. So that hit all the pathways that support the mechanism of action of Tudka mm. and cleaning up the liver. And yeah, that one's... So if I, I use this um, or before this existed, I use just regular Tudka uh, because when I take oral steroids, then I just... I, to me, the liver is so important in the body. Well, obviously, it's people don't realize how important it is. And, but in bodybuilding, especially for burning fat and building muscle, if the liver's not in good health, it's really hard to do those things quickly. So if I take oral steroids and I jump on this at the same time to mitigate any damage from the oral steroids. And so far, um, my liver enzymes seem to not be too elevated when I take oral steroids along with this, but I never really run oral steroids for long periods of time anyways. So yeah. basically I'm, my liver is in, in perfect health. I've had an ultrasound. I've had uh, liver tests, gamma GT constantly and, and AST and ALT. And I, I believe it's because I take things like Udka that my liver is so healthy despite all the chemicals I experiment with. Yeah. 
Yeah, I always have um I always have like a some sort of liver supporting agent in my stack just to run it alongside um some lava experiments and things like that. Um but I think that pretty much wraps up today's episode, Tony. I wanted to um give my listeners a chance to for those who've like heard about some of the compounds we've mentioned, I'm gonna be linking them below if they wanna um check them out. I've got them listed on my website. Um so you guys, if you want to learn more about the research and things like that, I'll be doing videos explaining uh, more of the science and more of the um, pharmacokinetics and things like that on each of the compounds. So, uh, Tony, did you have any last words, any uh, final quote or something for my listeners at all? Be swell and swell, friends of freedom, pioneers <laughs> of human evolution. Awesome, man. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to the Boost Your Biology podcast. And if you have any questions, feel free to leave a comment below. Otherwise, Tony, I'll see you soon, man. All right. Bye, Lucas. Thank you everyone for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.